morning, St. Michael's, will you stand? Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your house. We know that you tell us that we're two or more are gathered. You're here, and we know that, and we're here to be with you in your presence, Lord. Just bless the service. Really dig into the songs that we're singing this morning and find what they mean to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you. In thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Amen.
God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Blessing of the children. Who's first? That's a tie. Lord, we thank you for these children. We love the joy that they bring into our lives. Lord, we pray that you would bless them, especially during this Sunday school, Lord, and that you would teach them your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Go forth. This morning's first lesson comes from Genesis chapter 15, beginning at verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to inherit it. 
And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 27. Please respond by the half verse. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. When you said, Seek my face, do not hide your face from me. You have been my help. When my father and my mother forsake me, teach me your way, O Lord. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Are 
Our second reading is taken from the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 17, commencing. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even in weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 22. And Jesus went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where you are from, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out, They will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. The gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. You may be seated. So open with a word of prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So today we are addressed, as we often are in Lent, with some challenging passages in the 
gospel, Jesus is saying, there's going to be many who are going to come to me saying, Jesus, I knew you. And yet, and they're even going to talk about all the good things that they did. And yet they were rejected from the kingdom of God. And what's the, what's the reason that Jesus gives? I have not known you. That's pretty harsh words, especially to people who are saying, we prophesied in your name, we healed in your name. And what did he say about the kingdom of heaven? That the gate is actually narrow, that it's difficult. And then, of course, in the New Testament, uh, Paul says, as an encouragement, brethren, join in following my example and not those who so walk, sorry, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, here's the hard part, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So we have both Jesus and Paul in our passages today reminding us that there are many who may walk, but if they don't know Christ, then the end is destruction. Jesus is the only way to life. Liberty and happiness, right? Uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the, and, and the life. But what's the encouragement here? The encouragement here is not to say you should be afraid or you should be afraid or you should be afraid. Although a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The encouragement that Paul is focusing on is walk in a manner worthy of your calling. We all, through our baptism, through our uh, trust in our Savior, we can be confident in His ability to save us. In fact, the end of this passage here in the New Testament says, Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. What's he saying? The working of God in you is our hope of salvation. If you were just reading these passages and not paying attention to the conclusion here, you might have gotten scared. Well, I'm doing these things. I'm trying to prophesy in his name and heal people in his name. I'm trying to live out the gospel. Am I going to get to heaven and be turned away? No, actually, it's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is at the center of our salvation. And that's the point of these passages. Pursue him. And so as we enter this Lent, when we can really easily slip into this works-based theology. That's kind of a common thing that we talk about. Where we think, well, I messed up on my fast yesterday. There goes my Lent. No, that's not the point, right? It's not about what you do, but what he can do in you. Now, absolutely, you will know them by their fruit. And so the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of your good works, will show your salvation. It does result in good works and transformation. Hallelujah. I know my wife's excited that I am being transformed every day into the glory that Christ has called, right? 
there's a real encouragement here that you do not have the responsibility for your salvation. You have the invitation to walk with Christ day by day and to rely on his work in you. And ultimately, that's just my introduction. What I want to talk about today is the psalm, which gives us a really clear insight this morning into how to walk worthy of the calling, how to walk with Christ. What are the characteristics of somebody who is walking with Christ? So we're going to go in to Psalm 27, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let me tell you a little story. I was scared of the dark as a kid, as I think all of us are to some extent or other. And there was one particular chore that I really didn't like because of that fear. That was taking the trash cans out on Monday night. Now, my dad always reminded me that I had plenty of sunlight in between the hours of 3 p.m. when I was done with school and 7 or 7.30 p.m. when he finally said, Jesse, go get those garbage cans out. So I could have avoided this situation altogether. But of course, every Monday night, I found myself going out in the darkness to bring the garbage cans about 20 feet to the curb of our decently lit neighborhood. But man, as a kid, it felt very scary as a kid when I first started doing this. And let me tell you, my dad would send me out and he would equip me. Just as you all get equipped every Sunday, he would say, God did not give you a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And I, pro- I would say that verse while I'm walking the garbage cans out, while I'm walking faster and faster and eventually running to get back into the garage because the darkness was so dark. And then one night, one night I heard a loud hiss. And this was in the tree looking down on me. Now, at this point in my life, I had seen the Princess Bride. So I was convinced that this was a rodent of unusual size. And the next thing that happened was that I was going to lose my life. It was going to jump on me. And in the darkness, you just see the glow of the eyes and the sharp teeth, and you hear that hiss, and you don't know how big that thing is. I got inside faster than I have ever gotten inside in my life. Of course, Dad comes out, and we bring the flashlights out, and we find out it's just a possum that's been treed by our neighbor's dog. And all of a sudden, in the light, it's not that scary. Even at that time, at that time I was big enough. I think I could have I taken on the possum if it was trying to get me. But, of course, you realize that thing's terrified. They've got two giant huskies next door, and it treed this possum. So the whole point of it is there's a difference between the darkness and the light. And we know that. And if you can say with the psalmist, God is my light and my salvation then there is no darkness that you cannot overcome. There is no fear in darkness, for darkness is not dark to you, O Lord. The night is bright as day. Darkness and light to you are both alike. What that means is there is nothing in your life that God cannot illuminate, cannot transform, cannot help you overcome. So then the psalmist says, whom shall I fear? What shall I fear? If God is for me, who can be against me? 
And not only is God your light, so he illumines everything. And it makes me think of the C.S. Lewis quote. It's, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically he says, I believe in God the way I believe in the sun as it rises. Not because I see the sun, but because by it I see everything else. I believe in God because by him I can see everything else in my life. It all makes sense in the light of God. And he's also our salvation. So not only do you see the situation clearly, but he also has promised that he is your ever-present hope of salvation. So there's nothing that you have to fear. And then on the other side of this verse is if we needed more, it also says the Lord is my strength. So not only is he showing you the way, showing you the situation clearly, not only is he saving you, from difficulty, he is also giving you the strength to walk out the way that he has called you to walk. It reminds me when the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. There's a real promise right at the start of the psalm that should illuminate the way that we live our life. Are we really looking to God to be our light, our salvation, our strength? Or are we working a little harder? Are we trying to control more? Are we trying to do more? Or are we looking to him to give us the answer? It doesn't mean he doesn't demand quite a bit of us. In fact, he demands everything of us. But I promise you that if you try and do it by your own strength, by your own knowledge, by your own will, you will come up empty. It is God who we look to to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death and at all other times. And then verse 2. We get, what's he dealing with? Why does he need a light? Well, because when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. I've seen a couple zombie movies, and an enemy trying to eat your flesh is a little scary. Now, he's being metaphorical here, I would presume. I don't know about the cannibalistic Philistines or anything like that. But I am telling you that this psalm actually teaches us something about the way the world really is. That's what I love about the Bible. It does not gloss over the fact that the world is hard, that there are enemies out to get you, that there are not only human enemies, wicked men who would seek destruction for all that is good, but there are principalities and powers. There's a spiritual war going on. If you don't know that, it's time to wake up because it's all throughout Scripture. But Again, the psalmist is always pointing to the promise of God. He's never fixated on the power of the enemy. He's always going back to God. But when they came up against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. That's a promise I'm going to hold on to. I don't want my enemies to succeed. God makes our enemies to fall. But you know what? Sometimes we put on our own armor, and we go to fight the fight without him. It's a bad idea. (laughs) Sometimes, and I'm talking, right? Most of the time, us in this room are not confronted with physical people. In some ways, that would be easier, right? You could see them, you could understand them. Most of the times, the wars we're fighting are between our ears. The war that we have between fear and hope, between greed and charity, I had to say charity because my sister's here. But between these things that we struggle with, where the principalities and powers of the air seek to lead us outside of the perfect will of God. 
And so we're fighting this war, and then we, you know, get a workout program because that's going to be our salvation. Not dissing workout programs. I don't love them, but I understand they have their uses. But I'm saying we look to the wrong source when we're trying to fight these battles. God's the one that will make your enemy to stumble. There are useful tools, absolutely, but God has to be the source. And further, and this one seems relevant, especially today, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. Man, we have difficulty imagining what it would be like to actually have an army encamped against us. But maybe your minds are populated this week with the images that we've been seeing in the news and social media of an actual war going on right now where people are dying horrible deaths, where destruction is happening on a scale that we've never encountered personally. We've heard about it, we've read about it, but we haven't encountered it. There are things going on in this day and age that will give us ammunition to think about what the confidence of this psalmist must have been because this guy who wrote this psalm, he knew war. This is a psalm of David. He knew what it was like to have an army that was literally waiting to kill you. And most times for David, he was far outnumbered. And yet still he said, my heart shall not fear. And in this, I will be confident. What is going on here? Well, the life lived with Jesus as the light, the salvation, the strength. The life lived for God, knowing that he's the one. The battle belongs to him. That life will result in an ability to stand against difficulty and not be afraid. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes you look at a situation, you have fear come up, and all of a sudden you've sinned, you've missed out. No, it means in the midst of that fear, turn to the Lord. And he will transform that situation. Courage, as you know, is not the absence of fear. It is basically what you do in spite of that fear. It is choosing anyways to move ahead. And when you have God on your side, whom shall you fear? And what is he confident in? He says, in this I will be confident. But it does, it, there's nothing there. And then the next verse we see, one thing I have desired from the Lord, that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. There's something beautiful about the presence of God that surpasses all else. Maybe you've experienced at some point in your life a moment of true peace, true joy, of healing, of a moment of release where you really feel, wow, God is in this room. If you haven't, I'll challenge you this Lent. Ask God to reveal himself to you. I've experienced it in several places. It does say he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord, but don't you know he's not just talking about this building. In fact, the transformation that we see in Scripture is that now we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, there is something special when the body of Christ meets in the sanctified house of the Lord, and he is so present here, and we are so grateful. But you have the Holy Spirit in you. You are the walking tabernacle of the Most High. And so as you go throughout, I will tell you, I have experienced the presence of the Lord in my car on my way to work. I've experienced it in my house when talking with my kids. I've experienced it in good times and in bad times. And then I've had times where I know all I need to do is stop this train, this anger, this fear, this stress, and turn to him, and I've chosen otherwise. 
I've chosen to lean into my stress, my fear, my anger. And God help me. It's much better the other way. We are called in this time to put aside our other desires and to seek the Lord. What a great Lenten message where we prepare ourselves to, rec- to walk through Holy Week, where Christ, who put everything aside to seek a relationship with us, calls us to then do the same. In the New Testament, it said their God is their belly. Well, that rings true for me, right? Not just in the sense that you want to eat what you want to eat, but you can see every temptation can be given into if you let your God be your belly, your emotions, your desires. But when we give that up in Lent in small parts, right? You might give up. I remember one year, it was probably the hardest Lent of my life. My dad had some wonderful Pillsbury biscuits on the table. And he said, no more bread, Jesse. It was like the day before Lent or maybe the first week of Lent. And I, he found me a few minutes later, snuck another biscuit, said, okay, for Lent, I'm choosing your fast. You're fasting bread. Oh, my gosh. That was the worst Lent of my entire life. I'm not kidding. I, it was really hard. <laughs> I can't remember. I think he said no pizza even. I mean, it was, it was really strict. No bread. And then I married a gluten-free wife, and I thought, oh, you saint. But there's a real thing in here that when you give up these little things that seem so important to us, it helps us to say no to the God in our belly and yes to the true God who wants everything from us. But you know what? He only wants everything from us because he wants everything for us. He has so much for us, and he is just walking us from glory to glory. And so as you seek his presence, you'll be transformed, and that will become the one thing that really matters. Verse 5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I love these verses. Have you ever, well, let me start with the story and then we'll get to the have you ever. It reminds me of swimming at my grandparents' house. You guys may have been there once upon a time. Um, Steeplechase Drive and they had this beautiful pool in the back and all the cousins are there. And uh, we used to get the uncles and my dad to, to make waves in the pool. You'd get a boogie board and they'd push down hard in the water. It would create these waves, you know, maybe this high. But it would feel really fun because the water's sloshing back and forth in the pool. And we loved it. But one day, I was in that moment and the waves are going back and forth. And somebody, I'm just going to say it was Kenneth. I have no idea. But he's in the room. So I'm going to blame him. Kicks me in the face. And at that moment, I was hurt. And then all of a sudden, those waves were not fun. I couldn't find the edge, and I was crying, and I was upset. But my dad saw me. And so he came over, and he took me out of the pool, and he set me up. They had this little part where the little water fountains came up, and it was higher than the rest of the concrete. He set me up on a high rock. And all of a sudden, I realized I wasn't really that hurt. And those waves really weren't that big. Because my father set me in a high place. He saved me when I was in trouble. And so maybe you've been in that moment where you're hurting and the waves of your life feel like they're going to drown you, like they're overwhelming. God, I can't take it anymore. Well, let me tell you, in that time of trouble, your father sees you and he wants to pull you and set you on a rock. Now, it's not like there was some miracle in my face all of a sudden didn't hurt from the kick. It's not like the waves went away. But in that moment, 
I gained a perspective and a peace. Now, there are way more difficult things than the scenario I just gave you, but I can tell you in the times of my life where I faced the greatest difficulty and universally in those moments, I can think of several crisis moments in my life that felt like the whole world was coming apart. I always knew that I had to turn to God in that moment because I just had nothing left. And let me tell you, every one of those moments when I turned to God was transformed. Now, I still had to walk out, and some of these things had years of painful consequences, or there's still wounds that had to be healed and worked through. And it wasn't like these are small things. They still matter. They didn't go away. But when God is with you, whom shall you fear? And in that moment, God was with me. So I love verses like this. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me and set me on a high rock. I'm going to skip a couple verses here. Okay, we're going to go to verse 7. Only skipping one verse, I guess. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. That passage really, especially the ending part here, do not turn away from your servant in anger. Do not leave me or forsake me. It reminds me of the the blessing that we have at the end of all of our services. Because we're reminded again and again that God is not mad at you and that God has forgiven you and God will never leave you nor forsake you. So the psalmist cries out and sometimes we can feel forsaken. It's not wrong to cry out to God in this manner. But remember your hope that God actually will not ever leave you nor forsake you. So the challenge goes beyond the confidence that he is with you. The challenge is when God says, seek my face, do you say your face, O Lord, I will seek? And ultimately, if you look, we started with this idea that the way to heaven is narrow, that there's difficulty and that you can be caught in this way that leads to destruction. Ultimately, the answer that I'm getting to again and again is seek the face of the Lord. Seek God because he's your light. He's your strength. He's your salvation. He'll lift you up in times of trouble. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not mad at you. He just wants that deep and abiding relationship with you that will transform you into the sons and daughters of the Most High that you have been made by his power. We are living as if we are citizens of this world. Most of the time, when Paul reminded us in the New Testament, you are citizens of heaven. We need to learn how to live as citizens of heaven. We are in the world, but not of the world. And so we'll jump to verse 13. I would have lost heart. That's a true statement. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There are situations we encounter where there is no answer in this world except the power of God to save, the goodness of God. We sang that song back at this conference, then we've been singing it frequently, 
You are worthy of it all. And that is literally the only thing that can justify the suffering and difficulty in our existence is the goodness of God. And we're promised that in this verse, we will see that goodness, not just in eternity. It's not just, well, someday I'll go to heaven. No, but in the land of the living, here, now, God wants to reveal his goodness to you. I felt like as we were praising this morning that God wanted to just say that there are places, strongholds in your life still that he would love to break into. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if you have any place in your life that you feel like you cannot overcome, that you feel like is holding you back, I just encourage you, ask the Lord to break through in that place. Or maybe there's a place that you really like to hold on to. Maybe there's that corner of your heart that you say, well, this is my thing, but something is knocking and saying, hey, let me into that. Let me into that. It's only going to get better when you open up yourself to the working of God. And as we go out into our Lenten season and we encounter these difficulties in the world and we hopefully walk in greater freedom, the encouragement here that may be one of the most difficult in Scripture, wait on the Lord. Wait. I have a really difficult time waiting. You can ask anybody who's been involved in any project with me at any time. It has to be done today or yesterday or maybe last week, but it's got to be done now. That's the ultimate truth. And yet we're told again and again, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The promise is we will see his goodness. Amen? Continue with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us and Pilate. He was suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge baptism for the remission of sins. For the resurrection of the dead and the life for the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us offer our request to God and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For the church, that she will proclaim the truth of the gospel even under difficult circumstances. 
Lord, in your mercy, for the persecuted church, that her witness will lead to the conversion of her oppressors. Lord, in your mercy, for our government leaders, that they will not that they will root out corruption and administer justice. Lord, in your mercy, for the unborn, that they will be protected by the same laws that protect any human being. Lord, in your mercy. For an obedient heart, that we will set our minds on the things above and not on the things of this world. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For our children, especially those who have gone astray, that God will lead them in the way everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For those who have lost loved ones, that they will find peace through the resurrected Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Thankful God. You sent your son, Jesus, to be our gateway to your heavenly kingdom. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to be mindful that our citizenship is with you in heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. Share the peace with your neighbors. Peace of the Lord be. Hi. All right, the Lord be with you. Well, we have just a few announcements. Uh, Very quickly, catechism classes will continue at 9 a.m. on Sundays all the way through Easter. If you have any questions, see Father Lewis or Father Ed. And then confession on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to noon. I've missed two Saturdays in a row. Thank you. All right. Uh, Time change. We had it. (laughs) I'm still waking up. Uh, Ladies retreat. Please see Mia Harris. That's coming up May 12th through the 14th, and you don't want to miss that. There'll be a good time together. As I hear it always is. Men's meeting uh, is coming up on the 13th, uh, the 19th, excuse me, this coming Saturday at, uh, at 9 a.m. And then finally, uh, during Easter, there's going to be an Easter egg hunt. An Easter egg hunt, guys. Wow. Is there like an adult one that has cash in the games? <laughs> All right. Those are our announcements. Let's continue. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God 
the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Him and for those who want to love Him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. To give Him thanks and praise. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim. fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was entered, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us therefore proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. 
May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and with all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Connie, Susan, Serena, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Denisa, Giovanni, Daniel, Jonathan, Nancy, Katie, Patrick, the Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You may add names of those you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, the martyrs, with St. Michael and all thy saints. May we praise you in union with him and give you glory through your son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who were called to his supper.
Well, I'm glad Jesse was able to share some of those stories from when he was a child. Because my girls would never know about the trash cans. I would never make them do that. <laughs> so they got to learn it in the sermons and not in practical. So. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad to have my daughter Charity here from Scottsdale out for the weekend. She's surrounded with all her nieces and nephews. Nice to have you here. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with the spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. As you go out from this place, remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. God loves us. God has forgiven us. God's not even mad at us. And the best of all, God will never leave us or forsake us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen.